if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. Again, like yesterday, let's, let's just take some time and maybe you might pray, Lord, teach me, help me, and to understand what you want me to see in your word today. So let's just take some time and be quiet uh, before we, we open God's word. Teach us tonight, Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We're grateful that you care for us, that you see us, that you know us. Thank you that you allow us to see and experience your truth through the word of God, through the spirit of God. Thank you that as we walk around and we see all the creation all around us, we're humbled. We're humbled by the fact that you allowed us to wake up this morning, to breathe, to have breath. Thank you that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And we celebrate you, wonderful are your works, oh God. Tonight as we open up your word, as we learn and grow, uh, would you, spirit of the living God, expose our hearts, our lives, teach us what we need to hear tonight. We love you and we thank you and we give you all the glory, honor, and praise in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen. Amen. I, uh, I got married when I was 21 years old. Uh, I met my wife. My wife and I met at Moody Bible Institute, which I already said that Jesus went to. But so we, we met at Moody Bible Institute my freshman year, and I was in a band. Uh, so I was a lead singer and guitar player in a band, and we had recorded one album, and it was fun, and we were playing concerts, and it was awesome. And uh, my wife and I had gotten married, and I really was like, I think we're, you know, the band, we're going to make it, you know, like we're, and so we went back and we were recording our second album. So we go back into the studio, we're recording our second album, and my wife calls me. This is like, they had cell phones, but it was only like you got like 10 minutes a month. So it was like, you didn't really get much cell phone stuff. So we used to use this whole thing called a landline, had a cord attached to it, the whole thing. Anyway. So she was like, hey, I'm downstairs to pick you up. Because we only had one car and we lived in the suburbs of Chicago, just right on the outskirts of it. Um, why don't you come down and, and we can go home? And I was like, cool, we can do that. If you could just give me like five minutes, we're wrapping up some stuff, I'll be right down. Two and a half hours later, um, I went down and was like, oh, shoot. Like she was, ah, why didn't she call me? Ah, right. So I go down and because my wife is a she boss, right? She's not taking it. She's not like, I'm not tracking your butt down. Right. She just left. And so I like, well, what do I do? Right. And so I'm like, I guess I'll take the train home. So I, I get on the train and again, don't have a cell phone to call and be like, I'm the worst. Right. So, uh, I get on the train, I get all the way home. It's super late. She's in bed. I'm like, okay, let, let me give a, a good one. Like, I'm sorry. I'm a jerk. Ah, you know, but you don't understand. It was like the album. Anyway, so I get in bed, and I'm like, babe, I messed up. I'm so sorry. I'm really messed up. And she said, yeah. She said, today was my birthday. Oh. 
first year of marriage, first birthday. But the band, <laughs> but the band, here, just like literally, literally, no joke, like 10 months earlier, I'm standing in front of a bunch of people before God confessing my love for her, my undying love. I make a covenant to her to never leave her, to never forsake her. Death, do us part. But the band, <laughs> you know, isn't that how we do things so often, though? We get so distracted. Trying to wonder what's going on inside. What's happening? We are covenant breakers. It's what we do. We're prone to make promises and then get distracted and go the other way. We tend to want to do things our way for our glory. And there's a word for it. And it's a word we don't talk about much. We refer to it a bit here and there. We'll bring it up every once in a while. But the word is sin. It's sin. Genesis 1 and 2, everything's great. God makes everything amazing. Genesis 3, Adam and Eve become dissatisfied. And they sin against God, breaking the covenant with him. I want my way. I want my wisdom. And what happens as a result of breaking that covenant? Shame. They go hide from this God that they used to walk and talk and just be completely open and available to. Now they go and hide. That's what sin does. But here's what I want you to know about sin. And maybe they don't talk to you about this about sin. Maybe you haven't heard this about sin. Sin is fun. It's really fun. Right? If sin wasn't fun, nobody would do it. Right? Sin is fun. And here's the other thing. There's a lot of people that just sin and just sin for the fun of it. And they have a great life. Just because you sin doesn't mean you have a bad life. So there's lots of people that I know have dear friends who just live their lives the way they want to. You know what? They're happy. They're fine. They're completely separated from God. But it's not like they're just, because they're sinning, they're these miserable people. No. Sin is fun. That's why people do it. That's why it's a, the apple in the garden is an opportunity. That's why Eve takes it. That's why we take it. Sin is very distracting. While it is fun, it's very distracting. God is reminding us over and over who we are. And yet we're so distracted by these glittery, th glittery things in this world, aren't we? Things that we believe are going to build up our identity without us knowing it's killing us. And here's what you need to know about sin. It's killing you it's killing you it is meant to kill you it is meant to separate you from the love of God from the identity and the fullness and the wholeness of God and I want you to know this about Satan Satan wants you dead he wants you humiliated in front of everyone he wants you to once say that you followed God and then sin took you down a road he wants to ruin all that is great in this world. And sin is how he leads us, what he leads us into. And we are so often led astray. We, like sheep, have gone astray, each one of us, to his own way. And I'm here tonight 
to teach you about bad news. We don't like bad news. Get to the good stuff, but I'm here to teach you about bad news. And what we find here with Nebuchadnezzar is just bad news. The Lord brings to him, God brings to him a vision of bad news. The bad news is this. Look, look, you have seen yourself as this tree high. In the, who did it? God is the one. God in his mercy allowed you to raise to this level. But he is going to cut you down, Nebuchadnezzar. It's going to cut you down. And, and you, Daniel's like interpreting this dream and it's breaking his heart. He says, I wish this was for someone else, but it's for you. King Nebuchadnezzar. You are the tree that is going to be cut down. You are going to be the stump that is going to be covered in dew. You will be humiliated as a result of your rebellion against God. And you can hear Daniel's heart in wanting him so desperately, so desperately to turn back, to turn to God. Because if there ever was an example of somebody a case study in sin, it's Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, just think about how many opportunities this guy has gotten. God continues to reveal to him things in dreams. He has seen the rescue of those who follow God. He literally saw men walk out of a fire pit. He literally saw God in the presence with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. To the point that once they walked out, he proclaimed that God is king. He has heard over and over that God is the king, that he is in control. And at times he believes it in his heart. And then he goes right back to his way of thinking, his way of doing. And it breaks Daniel's heart because God is being so merciful and kind to Nebuchadnezzar, trying to awaken him out of his depravity to see that God is truly the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so what Daniel brings to him in Daniel 4.27, he says this after telling him in translating this dream about him being chopped down. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by <coughs> showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. Daniel's heart for Nebuchadnezzar is stop living in sin. God has clearly told you he is going to cut you down. Turn to him. Turn to righteousness. Turn to caring for people. That is Daniel's heart. But we know that Nebuchadnezzar does not choose that. Why? Because he has this deep darkening in his understanding. Ephesians 4, 18 through 19 says this. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them Due to the hardness of heart. 
They have become callous and given themselves up to sensuality, greed, to practice every kind of impurity. This is what the life of a someone who is living in sin is sinful. This is what it looks like. It starts with this darkening of the mind. This darkening of the mind. There is truth, and God is truth. There is a darkening in their mind. There is a darkening in our minds. My mom was like super mom. How many of your moms are like killer? Don't raise your hand, right? But you're like, my mom was like all-American mom. Like, no joke, used to meet me at the bus stop with cookies. Like that, kind of a, like, that kind of a mom. Like, would bring my special, like, lunch to school. Like, do special things for me. Like, she was that kind of mom. So loving, so kind. And she loved Jesus so much. And at 12 years old... My mom had an affair with one of my dad's closest friends. Here's the lie. Here's what happened to my mom. And she talks about this very openly. My mom, as a, a, as a girl, as a young lady, was overweight. And then she was taken advantage of by a man. She believed she was a piece of garbage her whole life. She would walk around hoping that men would validate her to tell her she was beautiful. She met my father, got married, had me first. I'm just going to go ahead and say the golden child, okay? And she was happy, but a lie continued to live in her life to the point that she would make out with the bag boy at the grocery store. She had sex with the mechanic in order to fix our car. I only found out about some of these a couple years ago. And then eventually she just left. And she tells the story like this. She said, I, I know the truth. I just knew the truth. She talks about this one story as she's driving down the highway in the car on the way to meet the man to continue the affair that she knows is sinful and wrong and against everything she believes is true. And she saw a bill, she pulled over the side of the road because the the hood on the car flew up and there was a billboard that says, where's your family? And she knew it was God speaking. She said, I got out of the car, I put the hood down and continued on in the affair. That's a darkening in the mind. This is what happens, what sin does. It takes truth and it darkens it. How does a mom who loves the Lord, loves her family, loves her kids, just abandon them? Just walk away from this covenant relationship with God and with her family. She talks about it as a darkening of a mind. This is what's happening with King Nebuchadnezzar. This is why he hears this great vision about that he will be destroyed at some point and other nations will come in 
And he, he goes, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build an altar to myself. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold and whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth was six cubits. He's set it on the plains of Dura in the providence of Babylon. Verse 5, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that the king Nebuchadnezzar sets up. He's not even listening to what God is trying to communicate to him. That God's trying to get his chin up and help him see how sinful and wrong is. Why? Because he's darkened in his mind and then what happens next is what ephesians tells us what paul says this he says this darkened in their understanding alienated alienated from the life of god because of the ignorance that is in them do here's the next phase to the hardening of their heart what ends up happening is we become darkened in our thinking And then we become hard in our hearts. This is what sin does. Proverbs says this, guard your heart because it affects everything you do. Everything you do. And what happens with sin is because the mind gets darkened, a lie is captured, I become calloused in my heart to truth, to life, and life to the full, and I rebel against it completely. I remember showing up from school. My mom was still in this phase. Is she going to stay? Is she going to go? I remember my dad, my mom would come visit, and my dad would leave the house. But then he would sneak his way back into the basement and hide. And my mom would say, and we'd say, come on, mom, just come home. And she goes, maybe, maybe, I might come home. I don't know. I'm so confused. And one day I came home from school. And I walked upstairs in my parents' bedroom, and all of her clothes were gone. And she had moved. We lived in Ohio. She, she left without saying goodbye. And she moved from Ohio to North Carolina. Just left us. Just let some of you know that pain. I'm so sorry. But that's what sin does. It just divides. It destroys. It's a hardening of the heart. It's what happens to us. We become hard to God's truth, to God's way, to God's will. And we don't care anymore. It's like we're blind, completely blind. I remember talking to her about this time in your life. Like, how could you do that? And she goes, I just didn't even, I didn't even know what I was doing. I can't believe, she said this to this day, I cannot believe I left my kids. I cannot believe. But that's what sin does. It hardens the heart. King Nebuchadnezzar is getting all these opportunities from God and he doesn't care. He's just like, it's about me. It's about this pride. It's about living out this identity for myself. It's my truth, my way for my glory. To the point of the destruction of so many people. Death to so many people because it's his way, his truth, his way. It's a hardening of the heart. The word in the Greek literally is poros. And it means a loss of all power of sensation. It's described as something that had become so hardened, so petrified, that it had no power to feel at all. It can't hear God. It doesn't feel conviction. It's in complete and utter rebellion. This is what Satan is trying to do to each and every one of us. He wants your heart hardened against the truth that God wants to give to you. Against life and life to the full. 
So what is the byproduct of a darkened mind and a calloused heart? Romans 1, 21 through 25 says this. I want you to receive this. It's heavy, it's hard, and I want you to receive it. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile darkening, futile in their thinking, and foolish in their hearts, hardened hearts, were exchanged and darkened, claiming to be wise in their own truth, my truth, my glory, my way, Claiming to be wise, they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. The most, one of the most terrifying passages in all of scripture, therefore, as a result of all of that, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth of God, about God, for a lie. And they worshiped and they served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. God releases us to the desires of our heart. Here's what I need you to know. God is not a CIA operative coming to kick in the door of your heart. Oh, how we would want that. Do you just want him to come in and go, come on, we're going in, we're rescuing him out, right? That's what we want to think, right? We want that. It feels so American, so Western. When in reality, what does he do? It says in Revelations that he knocks at the door of our hearts. And anyone who would be willing to open that door, he receives. God's going like, you want sin? Here. You want to worship something other than me? Here, you want to choose death over life? It grieves me. But I have given you the most dangerous thing I could ever give you, and that is free will. He has given you free will to choose sin. So many people do. He does not micromanage you. I don't know what you've been taught or what you're listening in culture, but God gives you a choice. And sin is one of the choices, just like in Adam and Eve. He doesn't stop them. Just think about that. He's just got done creating everything. And he doesn't go, whoa, 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 Eve, Eve, yo, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We got all this good stuff going on. There's a lot of good stuff going on, and you're going to jack it all up. See all that work I've been doing, right? You're going to mess it all up. Stop. Don't eat, don't do that. Don't do the rebellion. No, no, what does he do? He just lets her, releases her to her desire, releases Adam to his desire, releases us to our desire. You know the consequences of sin. So many of you live in a headspace of regret. You know what it is to turn from truth. Some of you know what it is to compromise. Some of you know what it is to walk in impurity when there used to be purity. 
Some of you know what it is to make promises before Almighty God and you break them. That is sin. Daniel 4, 29 through 33. Nebuchadnezzar knows the truth. Nebuchadnezzar has heard Daniel just beg for him to repent and turn to the Lord. Do not pursue after your sins. Run after his way for his glory. At the end, verse 29, of the 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built, listen to the I have built, with my mighty power as a royal residence for the glory of my majesty. I find it so interesting that our world is addicted to pronouns right now. I just want you to hear this pronoun, and I want you to see where it goes. Is not this great Babylon which I, I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence for the glory of my majesty? And while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass until you know the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will immediately the word of God was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar he was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as an eagle's feather and his nails were like a bird's claw translation he went crazy his pride drove him insane he went crazy as prophesied by God. That's what happens with sin. Destruction, hurt, pain, compromise. And I came here to bring you bad news. And the bad news is this, sin is bad. And you and me, we are sinful. And you can't earn your way to heaven by being good. Isaiah says this, all of your good deeds are as filthy rags before a holy God. You can't save yourself. You can't do enough good to outweigh the sin in your life. I mean, just think about this for a second. And I know we don't like to talk about this because it's heavy and it's hard and we, we don't know, our brains can't get around it. But when we talk about Noah's Ark and we look at rainbows, we forget on the other side of that rainbow is a lot of death. God flooded the earth because of sin. Because sin did that. Billions of people and animals died because of sin. 
James 4.4 says this, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity, enemy with God? That whosoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. This is what happened. There's a miracle in their way with Noah. There's an ark. There's a way to be saved and they choose to rebel against it. To live into their way of living, to do what they want to do, to run after their truth in their way for their glory. Meanwhile, there's a miracle right in front of them. Rescue is right in front of them. And they choose death. That's what sin does. In 2019, I've been going through a really tough time. So I've started going to counseling. And as a part of going to counseling, um, my counselor asked me this question. He said, how do you take care of yourself? And I was like, I don't even know what that means. I'm kind of blue collar at the core. I kind of get it done. I work hard. I don't complain. And I don't really take good care of myself, right? And so he was like, well, why don't we start here? Uh, When's the last time you went to the doctor? And I said, the last time I went to the doctor was 10 years ago. Because you only go to the doctor if something's falling off, right? Okay, no? Okay. So I only go to the doctor unless I am like going to die. Like, and it's not because I don't like doctors. I just think it's kind of stupid to go to the doctor if I'm feeling great, right? And for the most part, I feel great. So why would it go? Why would it go? So he says, why don't we start there? You're over 40, right? Time to go to the doctor. So I go to the doctor. I'm like, do the rigmarole, right? So they put all these things on me, and they do all this blood work, and, and they made fun of me because I'm that guy, you know, the guy who hasn't been to the doctor in 10 years. And I don't even have a problem with doctors. I was just like, I just find the whole thing inconvenient. Anyway, so she said, we'll give you a call if anything shows up. So she gives me a call, and she said, um, I'm going to use a scary word for you. We think you have cancer. I said, oh, and it wasn't super scary for me. Because, you know, my son was diagnosed with cancer. I talked to you about that. We had done that journey for three, over three years with him. So I was like, okay, like, get in the headspace and being like, we can figure this out. And so I go to the oncologist. My wife goes with me. And we sit in his office and, you know, in this weird room. And he sits down with me. And he said, um, okay, so we have the results. You do have cancer. Um, we're not sure which version of it, it you have, but you have it. He goes, but I got a question for you. How long have you been anxious? And I was like, homie, I'm not anxious. I've never been anxious a day in my life, right? Because I wake up in the morning and I'm like, butterflies, right? How many of you are optimists in the room, right? You're, you're like, it couldn't be better. Life's awesome. That's me. I wake up every morning like, let's take it on, baby. Let's do this. Give me my cup of coffee. I'll take on the world, right? There ain't a problem I can't stare in the face and figure out, right? I, I love life. I'm super excited to life, half full and everything I do. Sorry, doc. Wrong guy. Never been anxious a day in my life. And he says this. It's interesting. It's interesting. Because your particular cancer is caused by high levels of anxiety over a long period of time. Here's the thing I want you to tell you. You've been sick a very, very, very long time. And your body just gave up. That messed me up. How is it that I don't feel it? You see, deep down, 
There's this unawareness that was happening in me. And it started when my mom left. The survival tendency that I can make it, I can figure it out. That I became blind to something that was making me so sick and was going to kill me. That's what sin does. Some of you think, I'm good. I'm fine. I go to church. We're sick. And some of us don't even know it, how sick we are. Because we won't deal with it. We won't actually face the stuff that's preventing us from growing and getting healthy. We keep running away from the fact of this thing that we feel so deep inside of us. But we won't front it. We won't deal with it. Because it's too scary for us. It terrifies us. And I'm here to tell you, you have to deal with it. Romans 6, 23 says this. For the wages of sin is death. The culmination of the sin in your life that you cannot fix. You cannot rescue yourself from it. You are hopeless in this state. The wages of sin is death. Sin demands a death in order for there to be life. That passage says, for the wages of sin is death. It's as bad as you might think it is. It's actually worse. But remember how we were talking about how important conjunctions were. Some of you are like, oh, crap. What was that? I can't remember. English class. Come on, bring it back. Right? Okay, I'll teach you again. For the wages of sin is death. There's a word there. Anybody know that word? But. Which means this, hope is on the way. Hope is on the way. But tonight, I want you to deal with the wages of sin is death. Maybe, just maybe tonight, you will get honest, just like I had to do, about my own sin, about my own failings. Maybe, just maybe, you'll stop playing games and pretending, and start dealing with what's really going on inside of your soul that is sick for so many of you. Maybe, just maybe, you'll deal with the weight of what Scripture has been trying to say, just like with Nebuchadnezzar, over the mercy of God's been teaching you, over the mercy of God's been teaching you, over the mercy of God's been teaching you, over the mercy of God's been teaching you. Maybe you will awaken to the fact that sin is real, and sin caused death, and you've got to deal with that. I know this is heavy. It's supposed to be. But hope is on the way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it does not hide the hard. Thank you that it makes us face ourselves that we have to face this thing inside of us that's in rebellion to you and your good plan and your good will for our lives please father god give these students give every adult every person in this room the great strength to face their sin to face this thing that's been separating them from you 
tonight would your spirit be moving so heavy in the hearts of those that you are speaking to. We release them into your care. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, everybody said, amen.